Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's happening? What's happening? Hello, my name is Brad Harden, and I'm the host of the brand new show here on the Hoop Ball Network, Hoop Ball Hawks, where we cover everything regarding the Atlanta Hawks, from box score breakdown, training camp, free agency, the rumor mill, you love John Collins, you love Ice Trey, you love JR Crickets, well, check us out, follow us at Hoop Ball Hawks on Twitter, follow myself at Brad Jarrett. Six, seven on Twitter, and we hope y'all check us out. Hey there, Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast listeners. There are tons of VPN providers out there. You've probably heard of a few of them, and some of you may have even used a VPN before. But I like to do research on my sponsors, and I only recommend brands to my listeners that I believe in. I can say with full confidence that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. Here's why. ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. Lots of really cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to ad companies. ExpressVPN developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes it impossible for their service to log any of your info. Second is speed. I've tried lots of VPNs in the past. Many slow your connection down or make your device sluggish. I've been using ExpressVPN for the past three months and my internet speeds are blazing fast. Even when I connect to servers thousands of miles away, I can still stream HD quality videos with zero lag. The last thing that really sets ExpressVPN apart from other VPNs is how easy it is to use. Unlike other VPNs, you do not have to input or program anything. You just fire up the app and click one button to connect. It's so easy, even your grandparents could do it. Full disclosure, I don't think my grandmother can do it. She can barely use the contacts function on her cell phone. Anyways, so protect yourself with the VPN that I use and trust. Use my link, expressvpn.com slash hoopball today and get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Visit expressvpn.com slash hoopball to learn more. Now, on with the show. The following is a hoopball presentation. Ah, yes. Welcome on into the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast today in collaboration with the Hoop Ball Atlanta Hawks podcast. My name is Greg Mraz. I am the host of the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. Thank you so much for joining us here on a Friday morning. With us today is the host of the Hoop Ball Atlanta Hawks podcast. Joining me from down south, it is Brad Harden. Brad, thanks for coming on the show Great to be talking some hoop with you today. Greg, I appreciate you having me on. Um, I know that uh, the weather is different between here in Chicago, but one thing we can share is Harold's Chicken. Uh, We both have those uh, currently located in our cities, but I'm just happy to talk basketball. It's almost here. I know we're excited down here in Atlanta. I know with the changes in Chicago, you guys are too. So I'm just excited to just talk about the state of the Eastern Conference and the NBA as a whole. I think that's a great jumping off point, Brad, because one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on and we got 
started with a little Twitter discussion in regards to college football. But one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is that the Bulls and the Hawks are very much in the same place as a franchise. They're both in rebuilding mode. The Hawks at least have a player that they deem as their franchise guy in Trey Young. The Bulls, it's yet to be determined who that guy is, whether it's Zach Levine, Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr., or if they can salvage what potential is still left in Laurie Markkinen. With the Hawks, it seems like there's a clear plan. Lloyd Pierce is going to be the guy that leads this group back to respectability. And it seems as if they have a GM in Travis Schlenk, who, learning under Bob Myers in Golden State, is going to try and build the Hawks as Warriors East. 100%, 100%. It just seems like whatever he learned from the Golden State Warriors, he's taking that same blueprint and just brought it down here south to Atlanta with acquiring of a lot of assets, a lot of young players, uh, tr- getting their obviously their franchise player and Trey Young and trying to build around him with a lot of wings who have the ability to guard different positions. You have forwards now in John Collins, who is a great player. We'll probably, if we probably talk a lot more about him later in the program and now having Clint Capella, who's finally healthy as a centerpiece on, on the front court for the Hawks. So it's just, a lot of flexibility at this point now because we spent years acquiring assets. Uh, we want to cash in now. We want to win now. Trey Young has – there's murmurs that he's a little frustrated of not being in the playoffs and looking at his tweets during the bubble, being inspired by teams playing and competing. And he said that he hopes that he never misses another playoff. So that is a call to the franchise that we got to we got to turn this around sooner but later. So a lot of cap space this year, still a bunch of assets that they can move. The number six pick, unfortunately, having a down year last year and wins with a lot of injury and the John Collins suspension last year. Twenty five games is a lot, a long time without a player that is deemed probably your second best player on the team. So the sky's the limit, not to quote the famous <laughs> Biggie Small song, but it, it truly is the sky's the limit here in Atlanta and. We look towards, and I said this in my program all the time, we look towards the Chicago Bulls as a rival and a measuring stick because last year the Bulls were in a conversation on and off the entire year of potentially making that eight seed. And with the Hawks going 0-4 against the Bulls last year, I feel like that is the measuring stick here in Atlanta that we we can't, we have to beat the teams that we're supposed to beat and not to obviously talk down on the Bulls because the Bulls have a lot of talent on their team as well as you alluded to but you can't you got to you got to beat the teams who are sub 500 in the east and I'm sure that that's going to be the same goal up in Chicago as well. Well the Bulls were pretty much known last year as bum slayers because and I'm not trying to say what the Hawks are as bums because we both know that these are rebuilding franchises but the Bulls lost twice last year to a Golden State Warrior team that didn't have Steph, Clay, or Draymond on it. They had a coach in Jim Boylan that was the laughing stock of NBA coaches, and I don't know what your baseball followings are, but the same guy who owns the Chicago Bulls, Jerry Reinsdorf, just hired his buddy Tony LaRusso to manage the Chicago White Sox, and for certain yeah. <laughs> reasons that we're not going to get into, that has been ridiculed across the baseball world. So the Bulls made a surprise move by actually firing Boylan because Reinsdorf is loyal to the guys that he has in his corner. But the one thing about what the Bulls are at this point is they're a franchise that has decided we're going to do this the right way because they hired a GM in Arturis Karnishevis and, or rather a president of basketball ops in Arturis Karnishevis and 
a GM and Mark Eversley that want to mold their program in the style of the places where they came from. The player type relationships that Eversley had as an agent and with his time in Philadelphia, you can say whether that's good or bad, but more so Karnishevis's relationships with his players and his staff in Denver, which, and I'll ask you if you agree with this, both for the Bulls and the Hawks, the way that Denver built that team through international scouting, domestic scouting, the draft, and player development, and having a coach in Michael Malone that can pretty much develop anybody from the ground up, that's the model that I saw the Bulls as when they decided to hire Arturis Karnishvis. Do you see the same thing for the Hawks? I 100% agree. I 100% agree. It's all about player development. Now that they've added a G League team affiliate here in Atlanta, being in College Park, which is a hop, skip, and a jump away from the State Farm Arena downtown, they're going to be creating a culture more so of player development. I mean, if you look at Trey Young's development, people were kind of, you know, making fun of him. They're like, oh, he can't he can't translate what he did in college at Oklahoma to Atlanta in the NBA. Bigger players, more physical. He's too small. And look what he's done in his player development. John Collins, arguably just being just a guy who can maybe get do a double-double, but shot a pretty good clip from the free throw line in college. Let's translate that into being a 40% three-point shooter. Uh, Kevin Herter's development. I'm excited to see the development between Reddish and DeAndre Hunter entering their second year. So I 100% agree. It's all about player development. It's all about stacking assets, really going through the grassroots and doing your due diligence when you're looking domestically, internationally. I mean, and, I mean, we see what happened in Dallas. Dallas has been doing this for years. So if you can take those two blueprints to bigger markets in Atlanta and Chicago and repeat that blueprint with the talent that's in place and continue to be diligent in scouting, be diligent and intentional in your signings and your draft picks. That is how you build a culture. And so I 100% agree that we're both, both of our franchises that we cover are in that mode or in that, in that path right now. But what we haven't gotten to obviously in this program is that there's a lot of decisions going to be made with this draft, with free agency, with trade starting on Monday to really rev this thing up because I can see both of our teams and I've talked about it on my program vying for that eight seed in the East this year. We're here with Brad Harden of the hoop ball Atlanta Hawks podcast here on the hoop ball, Chicago bulls podcast. Make sure you go and follow all of our hoop ball podcasts. You can go to hoop ball.com and search all of them. We've got team pods, fantasy pods, gambling pods, all of it. Absolutely all of it. We are the place to go for your basketball fix. You gave me a good segue into my next topic, which is the coaching staffs. The Bulls hired, in my opinion, who was the guy that was the best coach available on the market in Billy Donovan. The Hawks just added as their lead assistant, Nate McMillan, who just finished up a very good run in Indiana. Billy Donovan also brought up Maurice Cheeks from Oklahoma City, who is number one, a player's coach, and number two, a guy that has previous NBA head coaching experience. What are the similarities that you see between these two coaching staffs? And I can't really ask you based on what you've seen in Chicago because it's a brand new staff, but what you saw in Oklahoma City from both Donovan and Cheeks compared to what you're expecting to see with Nate McMillan now aiding Lloyd Pierce into, what is this going to be, his third year? 
this will be entering his third year, yes, and uh, he'll have an option, team option next year as well. So this is do or die for Nate McMillan. And great segue, great question about the coaching staff. Uh, here's what I'm, what we're seeing in the league right now. We're seeing teams like the Los Angeles Lakers, and now you're seeing with the Brooklyn Nets of stockpiling coaches with tenured experience, with playoff experience, winning experience, and trying to usher in and establish a culture with the players that are in place. It's all about this year. Nowadays, it's relatability, players respecting coaches. And if they can see a unified front with a bunch of guys, with a bunch of knowledge and a bunch of years, but relative, you know, egos, not to put in a negative spin, but every coach is going to have their pride and ego in their system and their path. But if they can show a unified front, and make it so that the players can approach them as far as talking to this coach, this coach, this coach, but they all are consistent in their message. That is how you get a team that's going to buy in and play hard. And look at the Los Angeles Lakers having a brain trust under uh, Frank Vogel with Lionel Hollins, and you have Jason Kidd and others on the staff. And they arguably created one of the best defensive structures in NBA history, one of the best defensive teams in NBA history, and that culminated into an NBA title. And then when you look at the Bulls, you have Billy Donovan, who, who's been in the playoffs every year in OKC, has that experience, has experience coaching star players. And then you have Mo Cheeks, a players, players coach, with a lot of experience as well, and he's had success in this league as well. That right there together with a young team, just think about the things that they can teach this young team. They can bounce off each other ideas, and that can really, you know, whether it's in-game, whether it's throughout the season, how to handle different situations. Those are the things that are going to build something that the players can buy in for, really working, striving for as far as setting goals and having just one unified front. And that is how you build playoff teams, championship teams. I feel the same down here in Atlanta. Coach Lloyd Pierce entering only his third year, as we mentioned, as a head coach. And then you have McMillan, who has 15 years experience in the league as a head coach, let alone 20 years total, posting a 529 win percentage. And out of his 15 years as a head coach, he's only had five teams with a sub-500 record, making the postseason nine times in his career. For a coach and a team that has not been to the postseason, but that's what they're talking about, here in minicamp here in Atlanta, and you have, you're have you bringing in a coach with experience in the postseason, experience in winning, and he's a defensive-minded coach, which if you look at the numbers, the Hawks were abysmal on the defensive end, and that's one of the things that we'll address later when we talk about needs is defense, defense, defense. Not to start a chant here, but I'm just, I'm just really excited that the addition of Nate McMillan here, he can just – not have to do the whole thing as far as administratively as the head coach, but he can really just put his blueprint on a defensive end, work on their structure, look at this team and figure out the most efficient way to play defense and hide Trey Young's deficiencies on the defensive end. And with the defensive system he wants to put in place here in Atlanta, that can look toward how they strategize and drafting this year, what trades they make, free agent signing. So the coaching staffs, and having that experience is really going to help kind of solidify what is the plan going forward as far as the X's and O's and the rosters for each of our respective franchises. And both of our fan bases should be very excited to have a brain trust on the court as we hope to have a brain trust in the front office that can be unified, create synergy, and create a winning culture, both in Chicago and down here in the Dirty South. 
I think that one thing that needs to be emphasized is that both fan bases have to understand that immediate success might be expected, but if it doesn't occur, you still have to, and I'm not trying to quote Philadelphia here, you still have to trust the process. You have to understand that great NBA franchises get built from the ground up. Look at the Golden State Warriors. This was the laughingstock franchise of the NBA for years. They draft Steph Curry. They hire Steve Kerr. Well, let me back up a little bit. They draft Klay Thompson. They draft they draft Draymond Green. They acquire Andrea Godala. They acquire other pieces of their bench mob. They go from a 50-win team in their last season under Mark Jackson to being an NBA champion. They're able to add Kevin Durant because of that. They win three titles in five years. The Warriors are the model franchise for how you start from the ground up. And I feel like people have to look at that model and say, we need to trust that our front offices and our coaching staffs can do the same thing. And knowing Travis Schlenk's background and knowing Arturis Karnishvis' background in Chicago, I think that both of these franchises have to plead to their fan base Look at how the successful rebuilding models have gone and trust that if we're not in the playoffs this year, know that we are doing things the right way to make sure that we are a contender for the next decade to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's hard to get a fan base to understand that when you alluded to people wanting instant gratification. I joke a lot of times in my profession, in my personal life, that we live in a microwave society. We want things instantly, right right then and right there. And if we don't get it, you know, we're going to gripe, we're going to complain. And we really truly need to, and I, and I always say patience is a lost virtue in the society. We truly need to be patient in both of these fan bases, whether both of our teams making it to the playoffs this year or not, because you're 100% correct that we're, we're trying to build this thing the right way. As much as, you know, we want to trade some people and move on from some contracts on both of our rosters, we need to see what we have so we can truly evaluate what's in house before we look at other people's houses and say, we want to make a switch. What are you doing in your house? Who do you have? Let's let, I want to add that piece here. I want to take this piece there. We need to truly just wait this out and see what is going to culminate to. And I, and I, and I know that uh, here in Atlanta specifically with our cap space, we're going to be put in every trade rumor. We're going to be put in every trade rumor because, oh, Atlanta has the money. Atlanta needs to do this. They want to make the playoffs 100%. That's correct. But we need to be patient in our moves as well. Look at David Griffin down in New Orleans. He has been very patient. on. He was patient on AD, and look what he got for that. He's going to be patient with Drew Holiday trying to find the best best offer to truly set themselves up for the future because people are looking towards now when now what you're thinking about is two years down the line, three years down the line, six, if you can keep all these players or your core intact for that long. Those are the things that fan bases truly need to be, you know, internalizing when, you know, deciding to ride or die with a team because in the league that we're in right now with a bunch of player movement, People are not fans of, you know, teams anymore. They're just fans of players. And I think that's kind of lending towards this instant gratification because they want to see that player succeed. But when you're truly rooting for a team, as I know that the Bulls have a very, very loyal fan base, Atlanta has a very loyal fan base, almost to a fault at times. The, this is the mindset you could, that you got to have. And you're 100% correct that both of our GMs are doing it the right way and that if we remain patient, 
we're going to get something out of this. We're going to get something out of it. We're going to get a lot of great years of basketball in our respective cities who are starving for championships. Uh, we obviously the Chicago, Chicago area with the Cubs recently, the Blackhawks traditionally, you guys are used to championships and Atlanta. We're cursed. We feel like we're cursed down here in Atlanta. When you look at the Bulldogs about an hour and 10 minutes away from Atlanta, choking in the championship and not winning the big games, the Falcons, the, classic choke against the Patriots. The, the the Hawks have been in Atlanta for so many years, but have never won a championship. Their only championship in their franchise's history was when they were the St. Louis Hawks in the fifties and the Braves, you know, they had their winning ways in the nineties, but we saw the choke this year. So Atlanta is starving for success. And I know that the bulls are as well, because they're used to that, that huge run in the nineties, the bulls fans are starving too. So, we're not going to be hungry much longer. We're, we're going to, we're going to be getting it in diet size bites along the way. So like I just preach because uh, preaching is in my blood. I preach patience to both of our fan bases and it will come. If you build it, they will come. And I'm not, I am making a field of dreams reference, different sport, but it's very, very applicable to this situation as well for both of our franchises. Great movie and a great book. We're here with Brad Harden on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. We're going to take a quick break, come right back, and we're going to discuss needs for each team, some cap situations, and we're going to talk drafts. So stick around. We'll be right back. All right, friends, it's Hoop Ball promo time. This is a huge, huge week for everyone at Hoop Ball because all of our 2020-2021 NBA season products are finally for sale. Stick with us here because there's a lot to go over, but we almost never push our Hoop Ball products, and this is the window during the year where we need to power the engine. Here's what's out. The Draft Guide. This is our flagship, our shining beacon, the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. Our guys went 400 players deep again this year. A future access pass to the Brewski 150 is also out. If you don't know the Brewski 150, you need to know now. It's the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years. And new for this year, Hoop Ball is unveiling our monthly membership plans. I'll try to keep this part as short as I can. We have the Fantasy Pass, which includes the Draft Guide, the Brewski 150, the also-new DFS Pass, and all of our in-season premium tools. The DFS Pass is also available on its own, if that's your thing. We have the new Wager Pass for sports bettors who want picks and analysis, and we have the Hoop Ball 360. That sucker has all the stuff above, plus even earlier access to the Brewski 150. Head to hoop-ball.com or follow at HoopBallFantasy on Twitter now. Now! to learn more and to get yours. All right, welcome back to the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. My name is Greg Mraz. I am the host of the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast here with Brad Harden. He is the host of the Hoop Ball Atlanta Hawks podcast. Joining me today to talk about the similarities between both franchises. I want to talk some needs now, Brad, and I'm going to go into the Hawks needs first. Our last episode, we actually did a little bit of cap diving on what the Bulls are going to be able to do. They've got Otto Porter for a player option for this upcoming season at $28.4 million. Given what's going on with COVID, there's no way he does not opt into that. They've got Zach Levine on the books for one more guaranteed, two more guaranteed years, I should say. They got $13.5 million of Thad Young that they wish they could get rid of, but they probably aren't going to be able to get rid of. $10 million of Tomas Sadoransky. 
And they've got uh, $7.5 million of Cristiano Felicio. Thanks, Gar Foreman. And really, the only other unrestricted free agents that they have, Chris Dunn, who made $5.3 million last year, and Denzel Valentine, who made $3.3 million. As for the Atlanta Hawks, this is the first time, by the way, Brad, that I've looked at the Hawks contract situation. And it's actually quite remarkable because there are only, by my count, eight guaranteed players under contract for next year. I'd assume that they're not going to bring back Jeff Teague, who made $19 million this past year. Vince Carter is retired. You've got DeAndre Bembry at $2.6 million from last year. Scalabi Sierra and Damian Jones at two point three, And I got to tell you, as somebody that has lived in the Bay Area, I can't say that Damian Jones is worth $2.3 million. And then you got Travion Graham, who made $1.6 million. So let me ask you, of any of the unrestricted free agents, is there anybody that you see the Hawks bringing back right now? I know some people will plead for Bembry because, um, like I said, Hawks fans are very loyal to a fault. They love Bembry down here. They would like to bring him back. But personally, if you're going to keep the sixth pick, which we'll allude to later, and Isaac Okoro is available, you can get Isaac Okoro for much cheaper than what you would have to pay Bembry. I know the Hawks famously need a backup point guard behind Trey Young, who can be a secondary playmaker in this offense. Jeff Teague will be a great fit, but he, like you alluded to his contract, if he, you can negotiate a, a, a smaller contract figure-wise, which is going to be hard in the times that we're in with COVID-19, I say bring Jeff Teague back. But if not, they have a lot of faith in Brandon Goodwin, and I'm sure that they're going to be looking at guards in the draft as well, as, as well as free agent if they can somehow fork out the money to uh, get a Fred Van Fleet in free agency, that would be, you know, pie in the sky at, at this point because Fred Fleet, Fred Van Fleet, sorry, has famously said he wants his money. But the only one of those unrestricted free agents that I know for sure will probably come back is Scott LaBissiere because he was the only one of those players that were present at Hawks mini bubble camp here in Atlanta in early October. He was the only one that was in attendance, and they said a lot of really great things about his scoring ability, how much he's worked on his body. So even though it's not official yet, and it probably will be official once things can you know, get, get rolling as far as contracts and trades and whatnot, he is probably going to be signed by the Hawks on a, a minimum deal, so it's not going to be too much off the books, just to add some scoring prowess off their bench at the, in the front court so, you know, that he's the only person that I can see coming back for this Hawks team. So that gives him a lot of flexibility and free agency. And as well as with all these rumors and trades and whatnot, and with if they acquire more draft picks to really build out the roster and see what they have for this year. So the Bulls have $13.5 million in Thad Young that I don't think they're going to be able to get rid of. They also have $7.5 million in Cristiano Felicio that I don't think they're going to be able to get rid of. When I look at the Hawks, the one guy that I see on this roster that they'd like to get rid of, but they probably can't, is Dwayne Dedman. Now, I know that Hawks fans like Dwayne Dedman for what he did during the Jeff Budenholzer years, but Dwayne Dedman only played in 10 games last year. He's a very good rebounder, but the guy's not going to be able to score, and given the financial restrictions surrounding COVID, that's not a guy that I want to be paying $13.3 million to two years from now. 
do you think there's any way for the Hawks to shed Dwayne Dedman at this point? I personally think the only way to shed Dwayne Dedman's contract at this point is if they happen to package him another young wing in a sixth pick to try to get a proven contributor now to help this roster. I famously talked about that on my pro- program. I love Dwayne Dedman, you know, having a veteran presence and with well, what he can do is pushing Bruno Fernando to work on skill because even though Dwayne Dedman did not play in a lot of games, he's known as a, a five who can rebound effectively. He can score around the rim pretty, pretty decent, but he can hit the occasional three-pointer. So that ability to stretch the floor is something that is truly valued. And I know I talked about if, you know, the Golden State Warriors really like him and, and looking for a five off the bench that could really fit into that system that maybe they can work out a trade. But I think that's the only way that he gets off the books. If if they package him with one of their young wings, and I've talked about Herter in my program as the odd man out as I like to give players three years, and after three years, you kind of see who they are. You I mean they are who they are after three years, and you don't want to get rid of someone too early, and they come back to bite you in the behind. And with people trying to put Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter in packages, they're entering their second year. I personally want to see how they develop from year to one to year two, because I think they're both going to make leaps, especially Cam Reddish. Watch out for Cam Reddish. I think he's going to make a huge leap this year. But that is the only way Dwayne Dedman gets off the books, if they can package him with a wing and a six pick. And I think a team will be reluctant to take that contract on, because it's only only one more year. It's only one more year that you'll be pinned into with him, and then you can let, and let, let him walk or decide after next season. Brad, when you look at the Bulls, what do you think is the biggest need? I have stressed that it's a franchise point guard because it's not going to be Chris Dunn at this point. Chris Dunn can't shoot. Tomas Sadoransky is a backup. That's not a guy that you're going to have be your point guard five years from now. He's 29 years old. He's only under contract guaranteed for one more year. You've seen enough of the Bulls and Hawks play. What do you think is the Bulls' biggest need? I think you hit the hammer on the nail. Uh, franchise point guard, that would be the, the the best thing that the Bulls can do at this point because as, as of right now, Kobe White is probably, I would say, a, a definitely a two and probably your sixth man as he can provide instant offense, which is great. And if you can keep Zach, you put a great point guard next to him so that Zach doesn't necessarily have to have the ball in his hand, that he can go and score. You can run off-ball situations with him to get him open and set up other other the other you know front court players that you guys have, which you guys have a lot of talented front court players. And so I know that in the draft, which we'll get to, I would really like to see, and I'm going to speak this into existence. I know there, you guys have been, you know, tied to LaMelo ball, but I think Tyrese Halliburton would be a great addition for you guys. I, Cause he can shoot the three. He can defend at, at the perimeter and he, he can make all the passes, and he's just a very, very smart basketball player. And I think he'll be he'll be the guy, one of the guys, when you look back at this draft that seems pretty lackluster, that you'd be like, you know what? He was a steal. He is going to be, I, I, I would say, borderline franchise player. And even if he isn't the franchise player that, you know, fits the typical definition. I think he will produce winning basketball in Chicago if you guys were to pair him with the with the roster that you currently have. I agree with you there. I think that that's a, a very good selection. Um, I think that the Bulls are going to have to go point guard at, at 
their number four pick, and I don't think they're trading out of that. Uh, you have indicated that the Hawks are going to probably, if they get the right deal, trade the number six pick. I know that the Wolves have been rumored to want to package the 17 pick and a player to the Hawks in order to get that number six pick. So I do want to go into the draft, and we're going to venture off of the Bulls and the Hawks for a moment because the top three has become very interesting. My first indications when I looked at the draft was that it was going to be Anthony Edwards 1 to Minnesota and James Wiseman 2 to Golden State. I still believe that James Wiseman is probably going to go number 2 to the Warriors. There are a lot of rumors saying that LaMelo Ball could end up being number 1 to the Wolves, and that would mean that Charlotte potentially is going to end up taking Anthony Edwards because they may need a point guard, they may also need a two guard, and... I just don't know where that leaves the Bulls. If it's best point guard available, I definitely have got to go with Tyrese Halliburton, maybe Killian Hayes. But there's a lot of people that are trying to link the Bulls to Obi Toppin. And while Obi Toppin may be the best player available, if your top three are Ball, Wiseman, and Edwards, I don't think that's the right fit given what your needs are. Do you agree or disagree? I agree with that synopsis. I know that I've seen a lot of mock drafts pair you guys with Danny Avia as well. And I know there's rumors of, you know, what are you going to do with uh, WJC? I know you guys really like Laurie Marketing. I know the front front office really likes him. And Danny Avia could be that point forward. But I really think you need a guard. And I just feel like, you know, the top three. Here, here's my synopsis of the draft. I wrote this out. I wanted to get this out. I just feel like this draft. It's like that class in school where you had a teacher that gives you the study guide. You go over backwards and forwards like hell with it. And then you get the test day with and very little that was on the study guide is on the test. And it's just utter chaos. Personally, you know, I couldn't stand those teachers. Those are the ones that had the reputation of being hard and just wanted to maintain that reputation. The ones that had the test uh, with the curves on it. This draft is definitely one on a curve with the talks of the talent not being as high, especially at the top. And it's very debated, as you alluded to, especially between one and three and the uncertainty after that, the bad contracts on certain teams that are in the top 10 that they would like to package with a draft pick and maybe want to get into the top 10 or out of the top 10, i.e. the Hawks that we alluded to and Boston who wants to get into the top 10. And then I feel like just wonky picks are just going to be made in this draft period with the current circumstances with COVID-19 not having all the game tape, not being able to have as many private workouts or the NBA combine in-person interviews. So teams can't really cast a wide net in this draft. So it's going to be more gut feeling. It's going to be more shots in the dark that could go either way, but you have to go with needs. And for me in my top three, I had had LaMelo Ball going number one for the the T-Wolves because I just feel like with him and D'Lo can play because, you know, D'Lo can score more than LaMelo. LaMelo definitely has the ability to score, but I feel like he can unlock things on the court for the T-Wolves with his passing ability, with his size. And if he can buy in on a defensive end, he, they can be a very uh, – I mean, they talked about it on ESPN last night in the mock draft that this could be the most skilled big three as far as with youth in the league between Ball, D'Lo, and Towns in, in the T-Wolves. And then for number two, definitely have Wiseman going number two. But we've seen Danny Avia, the Warriors, really liking he's done a workout in. And I 
a player that we have not talked about on this program, I think Onyeka Okongwu is will probably be the best big in the draft. I I think one hundred percent he'll be better than Wiseman. Uh, Wiseman can shoot shoot better at this point right now and has a little bit more skill. But I think the potential of, of Nkongwu and his ability to guard three through five in today's game is going to be very invaluable. And with his build, he reminds a lot of people of Bam Adebayo. So with the Warriors, I can see them going a big, but there's rumors that they're not really high on trying to get a center at that position. So they could potentially trade back as well and still get Okongwu to fit that team. And then with Charlotte, I think it's just going to be whoever's left, whoever's left at that point. So if ball is gone is if Edwards is gone and Wiseman is gone, I I think you're 100% correct that Chicago has to get a point guard. And I'm going to, I know people have talked about Killian Hayes. I think there's too many question marks and with the, society that we live in and you know being a little bit impatient do you do you take the time to let him develop or do you have a more you know polished product at this point with Tyrese Halliburton who I think is the best fit for Chicago and I know you mentioned Obi Toppin for some reason I've seen it's consistent on all my draft boards I think I think Obi Toppin will fall to Cleveland at five unless Cleveland trades out of that I feel like with him being quote-unquote local kid uh, they can get youth at the four three position and move on from Larry Nance, who they would like to move on from because Obi Toppin can stretch the floor a little bit better than Larry Nance can at this point. And so I feel like that is the top five. It's pre- it, like I said, it's it's throwing darts. It's throwing darts at this point because it's just so much uncertainty with this draft and with no clear number one picked, but we know who for sure the top three is. I think that's how it will go. And I think that Chicago would be crazy to not get Tyrese Halliburton and let him somehow fall down to either Atlanta, who I've paired him with or Detroit, because you don't want to necessarily go against Tyrese Halliburton in the Eastern conference, because I think he will make a lot of teams pay. And I rather, for the sake of this program, and because I like you, Greg, and, I, and I'm, I'm fond of the Bulls, and uh, even though we are rivals, as I tried to create on my podcast, that I think Tyrese Halliburton will be a wonderful addition to truly unlock this offense and having a smart player who can shoot, make every pass on the court, and it's just uh, – they just said his IQ for the game is just off the charts. Uh, he, he'll need to polish up some other things, but I think he can come in right away, day one, make an impact. And I think that he can actually help win you some games with his decision-making early on. I agree with you 100%, Brad. And by the way, full disclosure, I like you too. So I'm glad that we can uh, get that out of the way and that our our pleasantries are true pleasantries. I agree with pretty much everything that you've said. The question, though, that I have on the Hawks front is this. You mentioned at the top of the program, the need is to find a backup point guard to Trey Young. So my question is, if Tyrese Halliburton fell to number six, you don't draft Tyrese Halliburton to be a backup point guard. So are you more referencing that if the Hawks don't have somebody that they want at six that they trade back and maybe go after like a Nico Mannion from Arizona to be their backup point guard, or maybe if he fell a little bit further, a Cole Anthony from North Carolina? What do you see the Hawks doing at that backup point guard position if they decide to trade out of that six spot. Just the reason I say it is that I don't think you draft Tyrese Halliburton to be a backup point guard. 
100%. I think that if if the Hawks were to, were to draft Tyrese Halliburton, he would be your two guard, in my opinion. I would put him at the two and let Herter come off the bench, or at least to start off, put, put Herter in at the two to start things off, because I really think Herter is in a make-or-break year, and trade deadline it could be if we don't make a move you know, before the, the season begins in a short amount of time, which is a month and a half or so, I think you put him at the two. And I know that some people are like, oh, well, they're both kind of ball dominant. I feel like Tyrese Halliburton with his shooting ability, he can play off the ball. But just think, you have two capable ball handlers and playmakers at the one and two. Tyrese Halliburton can guard the best one or two on the opposite team. And basically, you can split the court in two with running two-man game with Trey Young and Capella or Trey Young and Collins, and then having the other three. You kick it over to Halliburton, and you have the other three on one side, and you can run some action, and he's going to make the right play. But if they if they say a six and they don't get get Tyrese Halliburton, a lot of Hawks fans love Isaac Okoro being an Atlanta native. Uh, and what he can bring on a defensive end. He has playmaking ability as well. He may not shoot right now. And so that's why when I said that getting a young, younger Bembry, Isaac Okoro is basically a young, younger De- uh, DeAndre Bembry, but a better defender. So I have him there. But if they were to trade back and we, we talk about Minnesota, we talk about you know Boston, have, as I've thrown out, I say that if the Hawks were to trade back, back up point guard position, I would look at Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky. Now, he's listed as a shooting guard, but he can make some passes. He makes really quick decisions. And a lot of people who are draft experts project him to be a six-man in this league. And that's another need for this Hawks team that off the bench, there really isn't that scoring punch. So if you have Tyrese Halliburton, no, sorry, not Tyrese, uh, Tyrese Maxey, they both named Tyrese and Shout out to the R&B artist Tyrese. I just want to throw that out there to get all the Tyrese's out of my system. Uh, but if you can get Tyrese Maxey with his scoring ability and his ability to make them passes, now he will have to improve on that. But I think that under the brain trust, that is Nate McMillan having experience guard and Trey Young as well, and Lloyd Pierce having leadership experience, they can really work with him on some other aspects to truly round out his game. Because right now he can be a combo guard, but to be that guy off the bench, as a backup point guard, instant offense, set up stuff for, for the Hawks off the bench could be crucial. And there's other players that are not backup guards, but just backup point guards, I would say, but just players that feel the needs as far as perimeter defense and shooting the three, which they need to get better at, as a three-point shooting team, which they were last last year, the Hawks, ironically with Trey Young and the shooters that I've talked about, they were last in three-point shooting. So I've talked about trading back and maybe looking at a project player in R.J. Hampton. Uh, Desmond Bain is a player later in the draft who I love. I think he's he's going to come in very mature. He's going to be like a Malcolm Brogdon. Played a lot of years in college, really sure of his game. He's not going to make mistakes. He's not going to play outside of himself. And he's a really good shooter. He's one of the best shooters in the draft outside of uh, Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt, who is projected to go anywhere from 11 to 14 in this draft right now. And a lot of people are comparing him to Chris Middleton. So there's some players that in the later draft that are going to be really good values. I know Tyrell Terry from Stanford is, you know, climbing up draft boards as well. So the Hawks, I mean, 
I know we talked about the uncertainty in the top three, but a lot of people are sleeping on four through about 16 in this draft. But there are some players that can provide some value being placed in the right systems and the right, you know, player development coach with them to work on and, and round out their skills that could turn into pretty good NBA players, whether a six man, whether just a really good role player or even a starter starter. There's a lot of those players in this draft. If you do really some deep dumpster diving, if you, people want to call this a, a bad draft, when you look at last year's draft and next year's draft, uh, you can do some dumpster diving and really truly find some gems in this draft. So I like what your argument is in regards to what you would do with Halliburton. If I'm the Hawks at six and I stay at six, now granted, those of you that listen to me on this podcast, you know I work for the Pac-12. I do a lot of coverage of Pac-12 hoops. I love Onyeko Okongwu. I think that he would be a great fit in Atlanta's system, given that he's somewhat of a similar player to Clint Capella, but they could really play off of each other. Okongwu shot over 60% from the field this year. He's a great shot blocker. He's a rim runner. I think he's a guy that would fit into an up-tempo system. If you're looking for a project player, I, and look, I don't like the guy personally because he's the only player in the history of the conference to have a technical foul in three consecutive games. But Jane McDaniels has got a boatload of talent. It's just a matter of whether or not you can handle his immaturity early on. If you're talking about trading back for a project player, that's a guy I look at that can play anywhere from the two to the four and has a decent enough jump shot uh, as a high flyer at the rim and just has a lot of talent that, if put in the right system, could end up making him flourish. If you really want a solid backup big man that, Someone in the mold of a Bruno Fernando. I love Isaiah Stewart from Washington as well. I mean, everything that that guy did this year was just flat out solid. I don't know what you think about any of those guys. I like J.D. McDaniels. I 100% agree on the maturity aspect. Uh, that is the one knock that I've seen consistently from all the people who have covered him, including yourself. Uh, but his talent is undeniable. I know they coming out of high school, they compared him to Kevin Durant. And anytime you'd be compared to Kevin Durant, it's pretty. It's not. It's really not a bad thing unless you're talking about hair. Then that's a bad comparison to Kevin Durant. But we're talking about skill and his ability to stretch the floor, face up, and he can, can consistently knock down the mid range. Jay, he is a wonderful project later on. I know Patrick Williams is always in there. I know you. You mentioned Okongwu. I feel like definitely. I will, if we got Okongwu in in Atlanta, I'd be happy. I'd be. I'd be thrilled with it. But you mentioned Bruno Fernando. I think he's going to make a big leap this year. Uh, he's been working on his skill work, and they both do some of similar things. So if we were going to get a big later on in the draft, personally, I'm going to throw out this player. I like Jalen Smith, uh, his Terrapin teammate, who they spent a year together, who is a better shooter at the power forward position, who can shoot the three, but yet still has to move around the rim. He can. He needs to continue to work on his size, but... A lot of people compare him to, and Bulls fans famously remember this guy, uh, Mr. Gibson, Tosh Gibson. They compare him to Tosh Gibson with, you, when you remember Tosh Gibson, he looked stiff at times. You're like, how is he scoring over these defenders? Well, he has long arms. He can shoot. He has great touch. And he's just very efficient in his moves. He stays within his game. It can get his shot. Jalen Smith is a similar type build. And I would love to add that aspect uh, like what John Collins has done 
with his ability to stretch the floor. And now that him and Capella will be on the court, I'd love to see that dynamic play out as, you know, Collins being away from the basket, uh, Capella in the paint, and they can both go and get a rebound and put it back on anybody in the league. So uh, Jalen Smith, not as athletic as them, especially not as athletic as Bruno, but his ability to, to shoot, shoot the three, shoot the mid-range J, and play off of Bruno Fernando, which they did in college, could be an interesting thing to look at as well if the Hawks were to trade back. I think it's going to be a fascinating draft from the aspect of nobody knows what anybody's going to do. And I'll wrap up with this. Obi Toppin and Denny Avia are the two guys that I feel like could go almost anywhere. I feel like people have slotted in Ball, Wiseman, Edwards, some order in the top three, Okongwu, Okoro, Hayes, and you can throw Sadiq Bey in there somewhere in the range from six to ten. I feel like Toppin could go as high as number two as I've seen on some mock drafts, and same with Denny Avia. I feel like where these two guys go is going to determine the rest of at least the back end of the top ten picks. Do you agree? I 100% agree with that, and I I already said that I I think unless Cleveland sorry trades out, and I've I saw a scenario, an interesting scenario, because Boston has famously talked about wanting to get into the top ten, and from rumors they want Okongwu. So if they were to trade in the top ten and trade to four, and then you send off that pick and Larry Nance and work out something there, and they get Okongwu and uh in Boston and Larry Nance to just add to their front court because they need a little bit more help there. And that was their weak spot. But Obi Toppin, if Cleveland stays, I think Obi Toppin is a perfect fit for them because there's no real trade market for, for Kevin Love. I feel like at the trade deadline, Andre uh, Drummond will be gone from that team. But you look at, you look at Garland, you look at Lord have mercy. I'm forgetting. Uh, who, who the guy the guy from Cleveland went to Alabama? Colin uh, Sexton. 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 Yeah, I'm an LSU fan, so I try to forget Alabama people, uh, especially with the game not being played this weekend. I, I just rather forget that. But yeah, you have Sexton. I feel like Obi Toppin could be the three, and it, but he has to work on foot speed. Hopefully, that's something that he worked on in his time off is foot speed, so he can cover threes and fours in the league. And then you have Kevin Love and Drummond. That's a pretty decent lineup, especially with the scoring ability of Toppin. And then, as you mentioned, Danny, I see you. Danny Avia, I feel like he can be plugged in on any team. I've seen people uh, slot him to the Hawks. I've seen Danny Avia going anywhere from two to seven, two to seven or eight. And Lord knows, if if something happens where he slipped and the Knicks got him, oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, I feel like – the Knicks would really, really enjoy Danny Avia. And the Knicks can just enjoy anybody right now because they're a dumpster fire at this point with uh, Tibbs now at the helm who hopefully, just because you have young players, Tibbs, if you listen to this podcast, don't run them into the ground. Please, because, I mean, Chicago. I don't know we how have all about- too much experience with that, Brad. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I, I, I know how you guys feel about them. And trust me, from the outs- watching the outside, looking in, uh, when they hired them, I'm like, eesh. Yeah, but definitely wherever Toppin and wherever Danny goes, it sets up the rest of the top uh, the top 10 because basically it's whoever falls and needs at that point and best talent. And um, it's funny that in all the drafts, depending on what Phoenix does at 10, 
is Devin Fassell, who is another one of my favorite players in the draft from Florida State, is consistently at 10. So it just seems like after you figure out the top, I guess we say the top six, top five, top five right there, top six, uh, everything will kind of be in place because it will be more need fits for teams going forward. But we won't know until we know, and it's just going to be just a crapshoot. Like I said, it's just that. It's just that study guide that didn't match up with the test, and we'll see what happens. And I really think there's going to be some trades. I think there's going to be a lot of movement in this draft as well, especially once Monday starts and trades, uh, they, they drop the uh, the checkered flag for them to go. I think trades are going to be moved, and we'll look at the T-Wolves, we'll look at the Warriors, Detroit, potentially Chicago. Hopefully you guys stay put. I know that LaMelo Ball has been circulating and, and all that as well, but uh, Tyrese Halliburton, would be great in Chicago. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to continue to say that. I know the last Cyclone uh, tied to the Bulls and uh, Hoiberg wasn't a success, but get that out your head because this kid will be a success. He is going to be that dude as a point guard. And if he can continue to add to his frame, oh, good Lord. Uh, Halliburton is going to be that guy. But I feel like there's going to be some movement. I feel like the Thunder can make a trade as well, especially with the uncertainty of Chris Paul. You're trying to build for the future. Next year's draft is going to be really, really good. I think there's going to be, they say, roughly the top seven or eight. Any of those guys will be the number one pick in this draft. So they could be playing for next year. So it's all about positioning and needs at this point. And with the uncertainty of COVID-19, we're going to be shooting in the dark. Uh, So uh, and, and if you shoot in the dark, you're going to hit somebody and you're going to make a lot of misses. So uh, we'll see what this draft is going to be very interesting come uh, Wednesday on ESPN live from Bristol. Adam Silver is going to be there. You can boo from home if you don't like him. But a lot of people love him for what he's done with the league, in, including myself. And I, I don't want to speak for you, Greg. I'm sure you probably feel the same way with just what he's done. And we're ready to get the ball rolling. We're ready to get this, uh, what they say, Month and a half offseason, ready to get this ball rolling. Hey, I will have to say in regards to your comment on Adam Silver, Brad, you can make the argument that Adam Silver has done more for public health and safety than the federal government has. Uh, oh, straight no, up. No, no, question. I mean, no question. No question. He <laughs> has been the bastion of success when it's come to managing COVID-19 in trying to finish the NBA season. And everybody yes. knows that this season, this upcoming season, has been truncated and moved up because of the Olympics. The NBA does not want to run to the Olympics. And look, if the Players Union signs off on it, which they did, then fine. Let's go. Let's do it. Uh, I think that for a lot of these teams, you know, the teams that weren't in the bubble, Brad, 285 days in between games. 285 days. Now, it's going to be a lot less than that for the Heat and the Lakers, but, you know, for the Hawks, for the Bulls, for all the teams that are picking inside the top 10, it's a lot different. And and I will say one thing that I think in finishing up on draft talk that fascinates me, and I live in San Francisco, so I do listen to a lot of Warriors talk. The Warriors are the one team inside the top five that can win now. And the reason why they can win now is that they were only as bad as they were because they had Steph out for most of the year. Clay didn't play at all. Draymond was just a shell of himself because he had nobody to help him. 
you're going to have the Splash Brothers coming back healthy, and this team is going to be competitive again. So there's a debate going on with people around here in regards to are the Warriors going to draft James Wiseman and have him fit in with that Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Andrew Wiggins bunch, or are they going to trade out and try and get a player that can help them win now? Because I think the Warriors championship window is closing, and if the Warriors trade out of the number two pick, I think that throws this whole draft into chaos. I I agree as well, and I'm kind of split on it because I've seen Zach Lowe talk about that. Hey, if they keep the if they if they draft in this draft, do they want to bring on someone? Uh, you have all these older veterans, and as you mentioned, it's Steph Clay and Draymond who are in win win now mode. Can they get the right player? And I think Okongwu and Wiseman are the right players. They're both very smart players and both have high motors. Uh, Okongwu more so than Wiseman, uh, as reported. But you would like to, with that window closing, you will you would love to have someone, especially in your front court, that could be the bridge for now and the future. And they get a lot of experience as far as winning and playoff experience early on in their career to really set up this franchise and say, hey, later on once, because I think Steph and Clay are going to be in the league for a while, uh, barring injury, because with their ability to shoot, that's going to prolong their career. Draymond's not going to be there forever. So if you can have, if you can kind of pass the, the keys, uh, pass the torch in a way on a defensive end as far as the front court and kind of bring someone up, and that's where I think Okongwu or Wiseman can, can really do that, then I say that you stay in the draft, but I've seen them tied to LaMarcus Aldridge, which eh, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge is um, my coach used to say this in college. Uh, Stiffy McStifferson he used to say that about players on the offensive line that just didn't look fluid in their movements and stance. Stiffy McStifferson, he's effective, but he's getting old. A player that I've talked about on my podcast who, and they've had a three team trade tied to the Hawks Pacers and the Warriors, I would like for the Warriors to go out and get Miles Turner. That's a very crowded front court in Indiana. I know both of our teams being in the Eastern Conference were very familiar with Indiana, and so is Nate McMillan, who is now here in the 404, living it up in uh, gloomy weather right now, but pretty good weather year-round here down in the South. But I feel like my, if you can, if they can make a trade and they can maybe switch um, Wiggins – and you and you and Turner, and then you, they move on from Depot in Indiana. I, I like what Turner could do for the Warriors. He can stretch the floor, rim protector, get rebounds. He just needs more space to operate. It just it was a very clogged paint last year, which forced him to hit those corner threes with Sabonis, who they really really like in Indiana and management really loves, and they're going to pay him. And with wanting to pay him, and then seeing what T.J. Warren did in the bubble with his scoring ability from the four or the three, wherever you decide they decide to place him. If they move on from Miles Turner's $18 million contract and move him to Golden State, I think that they are back in the thick of things because uh, he's athletic. He can block shots. He can shoot threes and, uh, and the mid-range J, mid-range J as well. He just needs a little bit more room to operate. And I think that with the sh- – shooters that they have in Golden State and what Draymond can do. I think the defense in the in the paint will be just locked down with them and with it, and with Draymond Green's passing ability uh if Miles Turner 
going against a mismatch out of five, wants to stretch it out to the three-point line and hit three. I just think that the, it just makes that team even more dangerous, and it makes them a contender now. So I, I say they need to go to get Miles Turner. Miles Turner is the guy they need to go and grab. Well, hey, we're focused on what this does for the Bulls and the Hawks. Brad, draft night is less than a week away. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Thank you again for coming on today, buddy. Man, I appreciate you having me. It's fun talking hoops, uh, especially just with someone who knows the game. And uh, I know this is not the podcast for, but offline we'll continue to talk about football as well and everything else that is sports. But it's just a pleasure to talk to the Bulls fans. Uh, You got something good up there. Uh, just continue to put the right narratives out and hold the franchise accountable so that they are putting out a winning product for you guys because you guys deserve a good team. I, I've seen a lot of friends of mine who are Bulls fans who are kind of on the stray right now. They're looking around uh, because of what the Bulls have done in recent history. And we just I know you guys just want something to be proud of. And you guys still show up and support your team, which I definitely appreciate it because – Fans that keep it 100 are far and few between now in the NBA. So just one of the great fan bases, one of the most historic franchises. So it's just great to talk to you guys and say that, hey, um, the sun will come out. Like Gunnar say, the sun came out. It will come out for you guys, and I will be happy cheering for you, except the four times that we play you guys during the season. Hey, I'm all good with that, Brad. Look, let's just be honest. Let's get back to the days where we can talk about MJ versus Dominique. That was the glory days of the Bulls and the Hawks rivalry. I think we're going to get to that point sooner than later. Brad Harden of the Hoop Ball Atlanta Hawks podcast. Make sure you go follow him at what is the Twitter handle for the Hoop Ball Hawks, by the way, so you can plug to our listeners. It is at Hoop Ball Hawks. At Hoopball Hawks is uh, the Twitter account. And if you want to follow myself, talk Hawks, or if I said something that uh, struck a chord with you, uh, follow myself on Twitter. That is Brad Jarrett, J A R R E T T 6 7. Brad Jarrett 6 7. Beautiful. Brad, thanks again for coming on, man. Appreciate it. No problem. Anytime, anytime. Brad Harden of the Hoop Ball Atlanta Hawks podcast. That's going to do it here on the Hoop Ball Chicago Bulls podcast. Thanks again, as always, for listening. And as always, go Bulls! This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.